Welcome into the Wisports.net podcast for Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net and your host for the WSN podcast. You know, we are into the winter sports season now. Last week, we had a great preview uh, with Norbert Durst taking a look at the girls basketball season as girls basketball games got underway last week. This week, as you can imagine, we're going to be talking boys basketball wall-to-wall with our Hall of Famer, Mark Miller, the boys basketball, uh, boys basketball writer at Wisp Sports, WBCA Hall of Fame inductee a few years ago. He's going to take us through the top teams, the top storylines, the top players, uh, just a, a whole uh, bunch of things in boys basketball as, as we break it all down. And there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot going on in boys hoops. You know, it, it seems like we say that every year, um, but it, it just, I think, speaks to the level of play, uh, the way it has increased throughout the state in the last few years. I mean, just think about the top-ranked player in the entire country in the senior class comes from the state of Wisconsin right now. Patrick Baldwin Jr., the outstanding six foot nine, uh, versatile performer from Sussex Hamilton, uh, ranked number one in, in a couple of the recruiting services. His recruitment's still up in the air. That's that's one of the things that we'll fo- be following this year. Uh, you know, it, it it seems like perhaps Duke is in the lead. He's considering UW Milwaukee, whereas his father is the uh, head coach. You know, I I don't know. You know, if, if Wisconsin or, or Marquette or some of the other schools are really in the picture, it it may be down to Duke and, and UW-Milwaukee, um, but we'll see. Uh, don't know necessarily what a timeline is for him, uh, but right now he's focused on the high school season, and they got underway last night. They were one of the teams that, that played, and we'll talk with Mark a little bit about their game as they, uh, Baldwin had a, a huge game, but Sussex-Hamilton came up short in their season opener. So that's one of the things that we'll be talking about. You know, we, we have not really got a, a good chance to put a bow on the high school football season, at least uh, on the podcast here. Uh, did publish an article this week, kind of my unofficial uh, awards and superlatives of, uh, of, of the season as we look back and, and wrap things up. You know, took a look at team of uh, my thoughts on team of the year and, and players of the year. You know, breakout performer of the year, game, catch, run of the year. Uh, talked about some of the surprises, some of the you know teams that, uh, that that had breakout seasons. Took a little bit of a look at the at the numbers. Um, you know, as we as we tracked them all year, uh, the final tally was about six or excuse me, seventy six percent of all games that were scheduled in the state after the declaration for teams in the fall season. 76% of games did get played, but a three, 301 of them did get canceled, uh, which you know I, I think is probably a little bit more than, than what we were hoping for. Um, but 76% of games got in, and a lot of kids got a chance to take advantage of, uh, of high school football this year, which is outstanding to see. And then uh, at the request of uh, our good friend uh, Jeff Koenig up there at Stanley Boyd, he's the head football coach and the superintendent, um, he had, had been wondering how many teams actually played the maximum number of games this fall with all the changes that were in place. And uh, of, what was it, 250 teams in 11-player football that entered the season, only 44 of them played a full nine-game schedule. That did, uh, you know, Maybe they did have a cancellation or forfeit in there by an opponent, but they were able to fill that game, and, uh, and 44 of them actually played nine games. 
which was kind of interesting to uh, to take a look at. Um, so we'll we'll see if we can find a chance to to wrap up football a little bit more on on a future edition of the uh, of the podcast. But today it's going to be chock a block full of winter sports and specifically boys basketball. And again, the winter sports season is upon us, and that includes boys basketball finally getting underway this week. The first games last night around the state. Of course, a little more abbreviated schedule than what we would usually see with uh, you know some games postponed and some teams still not underway. And usually the, the first night of action is a little bit uh, smaller in terms of games than, than other nights anyway. But it was good to have basketball back. It, it was good to have the, the boys' teams get underway, the ones that could. And that included uh, some games in the Madison area and, and a game down in Janesville that our Mark Miller – uh, WBCA Hall of Famer, our boys basketball writer, was able to get to as the season got underway. Mark, uh, first of all, how are you doing, and uh, what's it like to to get get this season underway? Well, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. The season uh, getting underway is is uh, unlike any other, as um, everyone says all the time, but it's it's uh, truly the case. You know, trying to determine who's playing, who's not playing, who started, who stopped, uh, who started, stopped, and started again, uh, which games are on, which games are off, uh, is all a challenge. Um, and, of course, unfortunately, we have uh, many schools, just like we did for football and the fall sports, many schools that aren't, aren't doing anything right now um, are just in a holding pattern until COVID-19, um, you know, hopefully subsides. And I, I don't know if we'll get there. Uh, you know, this, this basketball season, my guess is it, it, it might be closer to the summer where that, where we get back to things being, you know, quote unquote normal, at least we hope so. Um, but you know, there are teams playing, everyone's doing their best to try to make things happen for the, for the kids. Um, and, uh, you, you know, a lot of credit goes to a lot of uh, athletic directors and administrators, coaches, players, parents. Um, even the fans who, 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 you know, aren't able to attend, but maybe can watch online now. Um, and we're trying to do our best at the sports to stay up with everything. As you know, Travis, with, with streams and with games that are being played and, um, uh, hopefully we can, we can continue to be the source for, for all the scores and stats and uh, schedules and, uh, insight uh, into the basketball season here, but it, it certainly is different. Well, let's uh, let's hit real quick on the game that you were at last night, Martin Luther at Janesville. Craig, what were your uh, your early impressions of uh, of basketball in this this era and these two teams specifically? Well, it was kind of funny. I was sitting there thinking about that uh, at halftime of the game last night, and I thought to myself, you know, Martin Luther. I think they opened in the late '60s or early '70s, something like that. They probably could have played Janesville Craig for 30, 35 straight years and, and probably gotten beat badly <laughs> almost every time. Uh, no offense to the former players at Martin Luther, but it just was not known as a basketball school. And it was a, it still is a smaller school. And of course, Janesville Craig, uh, when you talk about the, the best programs, maybe over the last 50 years in Wisconsin, you probably would put them in the top 10. Um, but here we were last night with kids playing with masks and referees with masks and very limited audience and Martin Luther just being the aggressor and, and being the better team really from the, from the opening tip until the final horn. I just thought it's really kind of a bizarre world. I would never would have thought I'd be sitting in that situation, but um, you know, Martin Luther, uh, Paul Wellersher and the coach there has really turned things around over the last 25 years. 
and uh, they have a very solid team this year with some really exciting young players. Um, and of course, they did that last night. Uh, they won 80 to 61, where they were ahead by 30 or more for a good chunk of the second half. But uh, they did all that without Jeffrey Brazil, who is our top-ranked junior in Wisconsin right now, and the Wisports.net player rankings. And he was in, he was at the game in, in uh, sweats and is is awaiting uh, clearance from the WIAA. Uh, right now, he's ruled ineligible, but um, I think there's a, a final appeal that uh, the Coach Wellersheim said they're hoping to hear this week uh, on, on Jeffrey's status. So uh, if they do get him back, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, they, they go from a very good team to, to probably a top three or four team in Division Three because, uh, number one, he's that good, and number two, he, he, he just would give them another tremendous player to an already loaded lineup. Uh, the kid that I was most impressed with last night uh, from Martin Luther is Demiria Shakur. He's a 6'3 point guard, um, and he's a sophomore. He had 22 points last night, made a couple threes, got to the foul line, got to the basket, um, defended. He's got good length. He's a good athlete. Got to get stronger and tougher, you know, but that, that'll come with age and maturity. But uh, I thought he was probably the best-looking college prospect on the floor last night, uh, Martin Luther also has one of the better freshmen and, and Naz Beeman, um, who started for uh, Martin Luther last night. He had 12 points, really a strong looking kid uh, as a ninth grader. He's put together very well, six, one or six, two um, and a wing guard. So, um, and then for Craig, you know, they had a couple uh, junior guards. I thought that played pretty well. DeMarcus DeVolk and Marshawn Harriel, and they both played up last year as sophomores. Um, but, you know, in talking to Coach McCormick, they, they, uh, they've only been able to work out in pods of four. So prior to the game last night, they had no scrimmage, uh, no five-on-five full-court, um, you know, opportunities to, to, to work with each other um, due to guidelines uh, for the virus. So um, it was a little bit of a transition, but, um, you know, it was a good starting point, I think, for both teams to, to study film and to – and to break things down and to try to improve in areas where they struggled. And, uh, you know, I, I know both coaches were very thankful that, that they had the opportunity to play last night. That's interesting. So Janesville Craig couldn't practice as a team, but then they can play a game and play a, an opponent. That, that That's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I know there's so many layers that, as you know, to this COVID um, and you peel them back, and it seems like every time you peel back a layer, you get you have more questions and fewer answers. You know, every county has different guidelines, but um, yeah, that's you know. So I, I said, well, what do your practices look like? And Coach McCormick said they basically have a coach and and four guys working at, at one basket, and then you know another basket over. They have the same thing, and and so forth throughout the gym. It's a it's a spacious gym, uh, so there's lots of you know lots of room there. Um, but you know, you're really limited in terms of what you can do. Um, and you know, cause I, I, you think of basketball practice, you think everyone's together, you know, you're working on your offense and on your defense and you're doing drills together and, you know, you're rebounding and boxing out together. Uh, in here, you can only do it in pods of four. Uh, so it, it's been a challenge and, and, you know, coach McCormick said the thing that they really struggled with last night was, was their spacing uh, on offense. Um, and, and, you know, they just struggle to, to, to balance the floor and to, uh, you know, get all, get their offense in, in, in such a, to such a point where it would be difficult for the defense to, 
you know, to guard. So, uh, but yeah, so they played a game last night and they had five guys on the floor and, you know, went up and down against five different kids from the other team. And um, that's when they were doing doing practice. We are going to spend some time today going through a a lot of different things on this, uh, this preview edition, uh, boys basketball preview of our WSN podcast. We'll run through, uh, some division previews. We'll run through some storylines and top players and, and coach and player movement. Um, it, but let's start, uh, you know, just kind of with a, a, a high level look at the season. We know things are different as you talked about masks and distancing and limited fans and, and all these other protocols that are in place. Um, you know, outside of that, what are some of the overarching storylines, the, the biggest things that, that boys basketball fans in the state will be following this year? Yeah, well, I think, you know, last night uh, we, we, we kind of took a sneak peek into that a little bit. I think um, the thing that really kind of stands out more than anything else is how good the greater Metro Conference is this year. Uh, I think it's been the best conference in the state the last couple of years, and I, and I would say it's definitely the best in the state this year. Um, for example, in our preseason top 10 in Division One, we have Wauwatosa East as a team in the others to watch list. And, and they went on the road last night and, and won uh, over number two ring Sussex Hamilton, uh, despite 43 points from Patrick Baldwin, who, who is as good, if not better, than any high school player I've ever seen in our state. Um, the kid can just basically do it all, um, whether it's scoring, rebound, passing, shooting from deep, uh, shooting off the dribble, you know, getting to the basket. Um, he's just, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the thing, the trick for Sussex is trying to find the guys to, to, to slot in around him this year. They did get hit pretty hard by graduation. Um, and Tosi East was a, a school, I think last year that a lot of people were expecting a lot of, and yet they were a year away because, uh, all their guys were underclassmen. Well, they're all back now. And uh, they got some big performances, uh, Alex Singleton and Jay Hinson uh, Jr. And then they also got uh, a nice game from Leon Bond and Brian Partridge. So uh, that's a really good lineup at Tosa East. So you got Sussex and Tosa. And then, of course, top-ranked Brookfield Central also in the, in the same conference. And they, they won handily last night over Germantown. Uh, and then you throw in, you know, Brookfield East as well. Um, and then, you know, any of those other teams in, in that conference are, are, are very good, you know, whether it's Tosa West or uh, Marquette High or, you know, Germantown got beat bad last night. But I think they're going to they're gonna have some games this winter where they're going to be very competitive. And then, of course, Menominee Falls has two of the better juniors in the state um, in Seth Trimble and Stephen Clay. So, I mean, it's just an unbelievably tough conference. Um, and, you know, even West Ellis Hale, which uh, – uh, really struggled last year. They they won their opener in the league last night uh, over Tosa West. So I think every game in that league is, is kind of a treat for fans. Uh, if they can watch online or if they're lucky enough to get a ticket to the game, uh, it's really, really high-level basketball. So I think that's a big storyline. And, of course, within the greater Metro, you, you have so many other storylines. Where will Patrick Baldwin go to college? You know, is, is Brookfield Central – um, really the best team in the state. You know, they have David Joplin going to Texas and Ben now going to St. Thomas. And, and then they have some, some really good young players. Um, Andrew Rohde, a junior who's, who started for him last year as a sophomore. He's got, he's got a division one offer, I believe. And then 
You know, they also have some kind of intriguing storylines when you, you talk about a guy like Jack Doherty, uh, who's a freshman, uh, but his father, uh, Sean Doherty, was a good player at Wisconsin. Uh, people probably remember back about, geez, uh, maybe 15, 20 years now, whatever it was. Seems to all mesh together. But um, And then over at Brookfield East, they have the best freshman in the state um, in Tayshawn Bridges, who's got offers uh, from all kinds of different schools already. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that is, uh, that's the, you know, just greater Metro and all the things that go with that is certainly one of the big storylines over in the Fox Valley area. I think Kimberly is a really good team and another good storyline, uh, with the fact that they have, uh, a six ten center in Grant Asman and a six six forward in Jackson Dudick and Asman just signed with Lipscomb, a division one school and Dudick with Northern Michigan, a division two school. They have one of the better junior guards in the state, and Jackson Pavleski. They're certainly the favorite uh, to win uh, the Fox Valley Association. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately over here in the Madison area, uh, things are all on hold. You know, only the Janesville schools are playing out of the out of the Big Eight. And then, you know, the Badger, we got some teams playing and some teams sitting. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's kind of a tough situation as well. Um, you know, I, another storyline that emerged just. Uh, uh, over the last uh, few days is the situation at Nicolet. I, you know, I made them the preseason number one uh, in Division Two, but that was thinking that James Graham would be in their lineup. And as you probably saw, Travis, he announced uh, on Twitter, I think, last Friday that he was going to graduate early from Nicolet, meaning uh, probably later this month. He's got enough credits to do so. And then enroll at Maryland, where he's going to play college basketball and be eligible uh, for the Terps in the second semester. So, you know, you take away a 6'8 guy who averaged 20 and 7 last year out of their lineup, makes it a little more difficult. I saw they won by two last night over Whitefish Bay, and they still feature USC recruit Kobe Johnson. But I think that opens up Division Two a little bit more, perhaps, than it had been had, had Graham stuck around. Um, you know, teams like Alaska and River Falls and you know, if they get to play Milwaukee, Bayview, and Monroe, Wisconsin Lutheran's got a really good team. All those teams, Pewaukee, you know, have a chance to, you know, perhaps get that gold ball once uh, once March rolls around. Um, so, yeah, just looking at the other divisions, too, uh, you know, St. Katz is the team in D3 where they had two Division One point guards and uh, Tyrese Hunter, who's going to Iowa State, and Kamari McGee, who's going to Green Bay. Uh, Division Four, uh, you know, Cuba City uh, is the team I think to, to watch. They got Braden Daly who's going to Green Bay, Jack Miskey, uh, one of their better um, uh, senior forwards who, who's a track and basketball standout. Um, but unfortunately for them, Jerry Pettigrew, known as 50th year as coach there, it's just remarkable he's been there that long. But anyway, um, they just got shut down for a couple weeks because of COVID. So. That's the thing, you know, I know you don't want to talk about COVID all the time, but you just never know, just like with football, you know, you can start the season, but then, you know, you might have a, you might have to stop for a while because one of your players was exposed or one of your players has it or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, I, I think everyone is really fatigued by the whole thing and just wants it to be over and just wants high school sports to be back. But one thing you, you, you certainly – gain from all this, uh, and I'm sure you felt the same way during the football season, is an appreciation for what a what a great thing high school sports are when they're 
you know, when everyone's playing and everything's uh, the way it's supposed to be, so to speak. And when it's taken away, you really feel like you lost something. And and, uh, and that's unfortunately the, the situation that we find ourselves in. And yet, you know, everyone's doing their best to try to make make a season happen for everyone. A lot, uh, a lot there. Uh, you went through our division rundowns uh, already. So um, we'll, we'll circle back and, and talk about some of those and, and some of the other teams that, that we'll want to keep an eye on. But, you know, one of the things that is a constant in high school sports is change. And, you know, it, it's a, a cycle, a cyclical thing of, of players graduating and moving on. But there's other change that, that happens every year as well. Um, and, and we'll start with coaching changes. Yeah, well, you know, every year we got, uh, I don't know, anywhere from 65 to 90 coaching changes, I would say, in an average situation. That's no different this year. Uh, it's about the same. There weren't any more or any less than, than you know, most recent years. Um, well, you know, I think uh, uh, one of the interesting stories uh, was down in Beloit where Shane Butch came back after several years away from coaching. Uh, he had coached Lloyd Memorial in the early 2000s when they when they had Kyle Weaver and made it to the state tournament a couple times and uh, had some really solid teams down at Beloit. And he's back in the saddle at, uh, as a head coach, um, but of course they're on hold right now. So you know hopefully they'll get the opportunity to play at some point uh, in the near future here. Um, I think uh, uh, Mark Knoll is taking over at Colfax. And, and Mark had been the women's coach at Dubuque, uh, I don't know if it's Dubuque University or Dubuque College, I forget what it is now, but uh, he had been the women's coach there for several years and uh, uh, stepped down from that position and accepted the head coaching job at Colfax. So we'll see what Mark can do with that program. Uh, that's that's where he's from. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's uh, there's other coaches uh, throughout the state. Dave Schultz coming back after several years out. He formerly was a very successful coach at Waukesha West and then at Carroll University. Uh, and now he's taking over at Kettle Moraine in the Classic 8 Conference and has been around the game for pretty much his whole life um, and has, uh, has, has always had, you know, really solid teams. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, at Kettle Moraine uh, in, a, in a very good conference um, uh, down there. And then, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, I think, the coach at Pius, uh, Joel Clausen, you know, who had all those successful teams on the girls' side and then coached for maybe 15 years on the boys' side, retired. And uh, an alum of the school has taken over, Dan Carey. Um, and I think uh, Dan's, uh, you know, going to try to build that program back up the They've struggled a bit of late, but uh, certainly has a school with a lot of tradition and uh, is hopeful of, you know, restoring that tradition and, and making things uh, go well there. Uh, so, um, of course, we have the listing of all the of coaching changes uh, on our site um, under news. Just find coaching changes and, and you'll see all the schools alphabetically listed, you know, with the former coach and now the new coach. Some coaches have changed uh, addresses. <laughs> Like Lance Mariffi had been at St. Francis, and now he just uh, moved down the road a little bit, and he's going to be the head coach. At, he is the head coach at South Milwaukee. Um, Bobby Kupta, a former player at Seymour and had been the girls' coach, takes over for John Murphy, who who retired after an enormously successful coaching career at the school. Um, and then your school, uh, Richardson Center, Brian, Brian Poles is back as the head coach after several years away, uh, taking over for Brandon 
uh, Ewing. So um, be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, so some guys coming back, some guys switching schools. Uh, and then, of course, we have a, a host new uh, a slew of younger coaches who are getting the opportunity for the first time to be a head coach. And uh, we wish all of them well, and uh, hopefully they can get through this tough season here and, and uh, you know, get their, put their stamp on their, on their respective programs. We're talking with Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer at Wisports.net and uh, WBCA Hall of Famer. So we, we talk coaching changes. Um, player changes is always one that you know is a high-profile thing, and a lot of people talk about every year. We perhaps don't have you know, the uh, Jalen Johnson situation this year, but there are some very, very good players that have, uh, have moved and are going to be taking the court in a different location this year. Uh, who are a few of those that, that stick out this year as far as transfers? Right. Um, well, I think uh, the first one that comes to mind is Logan Landers, a six foot ten senior forward who played uh, three years of varsity ball at Brookfield Academy um, and has now uh, switched schools and is at Cedarburg, where his hometown. I saw he had 24 points last night, and they they beat a pretty good drafting team rather handily. Uh, so Logan, you know, who's, who's going to Kansas State, uh, 6'10", can, can score in different ways, got a really good body, also a really good baseball player. Um, uh, he got cleared by the WI, and, and he'll be making a big impact in the North Shore Conference. Uh, Johnny Lovelace, who was uh, at Tosa East uh, through last uh, basketball season and transferred out to Brown Deer. I think that uh, his... his uh, his potential is, is very high. Uh, he, he's about six seven and, and can do lots of different things on the basketball court. He's not just a post player. Or he's, he's not a, you know just a, a thin guy with length. He can handle the ball. He can he can score around the basket. Uh, he's very athletic. Uh, he's a guy that Division One schools are looking at, um, and I think he's going to really help Brown Deer, which uh, is definitely a title contender in Division Three this year. Uh, we mentioned Jeffrey Brazil. He's certainly one uh, that we're still waiting to hear on in terms of his clearance. But uh, certainly he, he, he would be, uh, if he does get cleared for Martin Luther, he, that would be huge news for Martin Luther. He's, he's got uh, several uh, Division I scholarship offers as well. Um, uh, a younger kid that uh, I think uh, a lot of people will be watching over the next couple of years, Braylon Blue, um, who moved from Sun Prairie to Madison Memorial. Um, he is eligible. He's a 6'3 sophomore point guard. Played on JV at Sun Prairie last year, and of course now he's he'll he'll be on the varsity if, if Memorial can get his season underway at some point this season. Um, and uh, he's a point guard who who's got a really good feel for the game, um, and he's got several Division One offers already. So a lot of eyes will be on him to see how he does. Um, so those are a few that come to mind right off the top of my head of some of the better uh, transfer players uh, in Wisconsin. A six-foot-three point guard named Blue transferring into Madison Memorial for their sophomore year. We've heard that before, haven't we? Yeah, you know, I, I'm i trying to remember. I'm pretty sure Vander went to – Vander Blue went to Memorial from 9 through 12. Okay, was it? Okay. Uh, but he had been – yeah, but he had been uh, – I believe he was in the Verona schools earlier uh, in his uh, schooling – uh, and Braylon and Vander are, are, are cousins, so there is some uh, relationship there. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny, and some things uh, some things just kind of seem to stay stay the same. And 
and others like uh, being in a gym with no fans and everyone wearing masks uh, changes. So <laughs> that's that's life, I guess. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we went through a number of the top teams uh, this season, and, and you hit on some of those. Uh, I, I want to take a minute to focus on Division 5, where I think, you know, there's there's some really interesting things in, in teams there. Uh, some teams that we saw, you know, still alive at the end of last season that, you know, had very high expectations and in hopes of uh, winning a state title uh, and, and obviously did not get to finish that out. But it's a lot of familiar names at the top. If you look at your... Uh, preseason Division Five rankings in the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook. You've got Blair Taylor, number one, Lourdes Academy, two, Randolph, Sheboygan Lutheran, Wazika. You know, a lot of those same names that we've seen, uh, Bangor in the top 10. Uh, you know, what's what's an outlook for, for Division Five? And, you know, despite losing Jacob Ignacevic, is Sheboygan Lutheran still in play with uh, a really talented group coming back? Yeah, yeah, I think the Sheboygan Lutheran will still be in play. They, they they really get up and down the floor. They have a, a lot of guys with a lot of quickness and speed um, and, and skill. Um, and then they do have a little bit of size, um, not nearly as big as they were last year, obviously, with Ignacevic at 6'8". But, you know, Casey Verhagen, their point guard, uh, is a two-year starter um, who averaged 19 points and almost 10 assists last year. Uh, Robbie Michael, the quarterback that did so well in, in the football season for that co-op team over with Sheboygan, Lutheran, Christian, and Kohler, uh, he averaged in double figures last year of 10.7. I think he'll probably be, uh, you know, in the higher teens this year. Um, Jonah Jers is 6'2 senior who's back as well, and he's one of the better defensive players uh, in the state, but he can also score. So, you know, that those three guys, they'll build around those three guys. they got a really good sophomore, Andrew Gerhels, a lot of those kids played a lot of basketball over the summer with the AU. Um, I saw they, they won big last night over Hilbert. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, that's a group of kids that love to play the game, will play anywhere. Um, <laughs> they never seem to run out of energy. They just go, go, go. And, um, and it all starts with Casey Verhagen, though, because he can really push the ball in transition and, and find his teammates. So um, I think they're definitely a team that, that – Obviously, won the title in 2019 in Division Five. Uh, we're playing in a sectional final before the season ended last year. Um, but you know, they're they're going to get some competition, and and uh, one of the teams uh, that, that that they're going to be uh, battling with, I think, throughout the year in in Division Five. Um, well, at least it, it, as far as the rankings go, and as far as when the postseason rolls around, is Lourdes Academy because um, Lourdes, which took second in Division Four. In 2019, losing to New Glarus um, and lost in a sectional semi last year in Division Four, they popped down to Division Five this year, um, and uh, they are in the same half, excuse me, of the uh, of the sectional tournament in, in Section Four as Sheboygan Lutheran. So uh, they potentially could play in a sectional semifinal game, which would be a tremendous game. And Lures, of course. Uh, is led by the coach's son, Denny Rudinger, and his son, Preston Rudinger, is very similar to Sheboygan Lutheran because the head coach, um, Nick Verhagen, uh, their best player is his son, Casey, and he's a point guard. And then at Lourdes, Dennis Rudinger is the coach, and their best player is Preston Rudinger, also a point guard. So uh, Preston's got several D2 offers. Uh, he had a good football season for Lourdes as a receiver. They're going to um, wait until the season is over before making a collegiate pick. 
Um, he's still hoping that maybe he can get a Division One offer or two. Uh, and he's one of uh, four guys, back, or five guys, really, back with a lot of experience, uh, uh, along with Josh Bauer, who obviously is a, a very successful quarterback. He's also a heck of a basketball player, really good, solid athlete. Um, and Jack McKillops, um, also a really good football player, and, and he's uh, he's back for the word. So all three of those guys averaged in double figures. Preston actually averaged 27.2 points. So. Uh, and then they, uh, the other two seniors that, that played quite a bit last year, Jack Kazinga and Nathan Slaughter, although Slaughter is out, um, he's got unfortunately towards ACL, so I'm probably doubtful that he'll play. So they'll have to look to some younger guys to maybe fill that slot. So, uh, you know, Lourdes and Sheboygan Lutheran uh, are, are in that sectional four, but so is Randolph. They're on the other side of the bracket, so... You know, they, they potentially could play either Lourdes or Sheboygan Lutheran in the sectional final. Um, and and they won last night at Columbus. Um, and, and just a solid team, good overall size, but no, you know, 6'8 or 6'9 guy like they've had in the past. Lots of experience, lots of balance. Um, and, and our well coached Tyler Fisher does a really nice job. So I think, you know, Randolph's going to be there again, uh, knocking on the door. Uh, they haven't been to the state tournament for a few years now, but. Uh, you know, they're, gonna, they're certainly going to be a team that, if you're talking a lot about Lourdes and Sheboygan Lutheran in that sectional, you certainly have to talk about Randolph as well with Braden Halfley and Parker Cohn back, Sam Greiger back, uh, Travis Alvin. I mean, all those guys can score in double figures. So um, they got some good balance and, and, like I said, good overall size. But Blair Taylor was my pick uh, for number one. Uh, you know, Coach Randy Storley is closing in on 600 wins. Uh, they'd have to win 17 this year for him to do that. That's such a great accomplishment. So few guys have done that. That uh, That's another great storyline for the season. Uh, Matt Weldera, who is a senior wing for them, is really a solid all-around player. He's about 6'5 and can do just a lot of different things on the floor. Uh, really good college prospect. And, and he and Kyle Stein and Alec Reisman are, are their top three guys. They did lose a couple guys to graduation. So Coach Story is going to have to find a couple replacements. But uh, in Waldera, Stein, and Reisman, they got uh, three proven, experienced, uh, skilled players to build around. And I expect them to win a lot of games in that Dairyland Conference this year. You know, it's it's always interesting and not surprising that you see a lot of really outstanding you know, multi-sport athletes at the smaller schools especially. But as you were running through through some of those okay. names on those top teams, you know, Waldera from Blair Taylor, uh, Rudinger, McKillops, uh, Bauer from Lords, and Braden Hefley at Randolph, the Sheboygan kids, uh, Verhagen and Michael. Um, those are really good football players as well. And, and those teams did pretty well in football also. And, and we've seen a lot of that, you know, carry over from one sport to another. Uh, you know, going back a few years when Bangor won a state title in uh, boys basketball and football and girls basketball for that matter. Uh, you know, we saw that Sheboygan Lutheran group have a lot of success in basketball first, and it's carried over to football. So it's it's good to see. You know, we we always like to see those multi-sport athletes, and you know, I, I think it it pays off both ways. Kids that play football, it helps them in basketball. Kids that play basketball, it helps them in football. So uh, just uh, a, a good a good thing to see at, at some of those smaller schools, especially. Uh, and I I always think that it it. it uh... You know, it teaches a lot of different things, obviously, in terms of teamwork and being around different kids, you know, because every, 
every sport's a little different. You know, obviously with football, you're going to be around a lot more kids um, than you are in basketball because of because of the numbers difference. But um, I, I totally agree with you that I think, uh, you know, you're always got that risk, particularly if you're a high-level player, of maybe getting hurt. Um, and that's what maybe holds some people back. But gosh, you look at you know, some of the some of the even some of the linemen that the University of Wisconsin has had in football, who played basketball in high school, and, and their footwork and just their their agility, um, that just helps in, in all those areas. And gosh, I mean, how many times have we seen Travis, you know, UW football recruits on the basketball floor at the state tournament at the Bowl Center, just marveled at the overall athletic uh, ability of these guys. Um, and uh, you know, I think that's the case. Particularly, like you said, and at the small schools where they got to have these guys. <laughs> you know, you, you can't have, uh, you know, under 200 kids and, and not have these really good athletes participate in multiple sports. And uh, I think it's one of the neat things about high school sports. And uh, I, I, I really like to see it as well. So I'm totally in agreement with you. You know, it, even last night we saw that uh, in the, that Sussex-Hamilton-Wauwatosa East game. Marcus Bow from, uh, from Tosa East, who's a, a Division One offensive lineman, I mean, he's 6'5", you know, upper 200 pounds. He guarded Patrick Baldwin, yeah. uh, you know, a good amount, and, yeah. and even out on the perimeter showing off his athletic ability. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah. it carries over um, not just at the small schools, but we see it at the big schools as well. Um, you know, Mark, as we, as we look at, uh, kind of wrapping things up here shortly, um, what are some things that, that maybe we haven't hit on? Uh, what are some teams, some players, uh, some storylines that, uh, there, that we're going to be following this year, uh, beyond some of the things that we've talked about so far? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, we didn't really talk too much on division four, um, other than mentioning Cuba city. Um, and, and, and the talent they have in their program. But, you know, that whole small conference um, is, is always a – it's almost like a, a, a mini version, so to speak, of the, of the greater metro. You know, when you talk about Darlington and you talk about Cuba City and Mineral Point and, and Southwestern's had some pretty competitive teams of late and, and, and certainly Fenimore. Um, I think uh, Darling, the matchups between Darlington and Cuba City this winter will be really fun to watch. Uh, I mentioned in my preseason article on Wisports Sports that Darlington went 22 and three last year, and and all three losses came at the hands of Cuba City, um, and so I, you know, they have uh, they have as much returning experience as, as probably even a little bit more returning experience in Cuba City, and are led by one of the better all-around athletes in the state, Carter Lancaster, um, six-four senior who averaged 20 and seven last year. He's a, he's a four-year varsity guy, and is um, <clears throat> a guy that's got. Um, some division two and NEI offers um, just a, you know, also really good football player, I believe. And, and then they also have Caden Rakin at six, six, you know, who averaged 14 and seven Curtis stone averaged 10 and six. And uh, I think this Easton Evanston, who we had at our basketball camp, uh, not last June, but the one before a really solid looking young player. Um, so I think those games are going to be really fun to watch the Darlington Cuba city. I got Cuba at one and Darlington at three. Um, number two is the Prairie School out of Racine, and of course they play in the Metro Classic, which includes Dominican and St. Cats and Martin Luther, um, you know, among others. So a lot of Division three schools in there. They're gonna they're gonna get tested throughout the year, and um, they they also have a really experienced, um, versatile, deep, uh, balanced lineup led by Antoine Nesbitt, um, who is also 
Uh, he's kind of like um, uh, Preston Rudinger and Kurt Lancaster and some of the other guys we've mentioned who are going to wait until after the season before making a collegiate pick. Um, but he's a really good player at 6'4", can pass, shoot, dribble, uh, get to the basket. He's a really good defender. He's very, very unselfish. He averaged over six assists a game last year. So I think Division Four will be a lot of fun. You know, New Glarus, which won in 2019, has got a good team coming back. You know, Mantua, Broncali is a team we always talk about. Uh, Edgar is obviously uh, uh, a great football program, but I think this year uh, they're going to have a really good basketball team as well, and they play in that really competitive Merrillwood Conference, um, you know, with the likes of Auburndale and, and Marathon and Stratford and Newman and Assumption and Phillips and some of those teams from the Northern Division over there too. So, um, you know, Cameron up north is going to have another good team. they got two really – uh, experienced, uh, uh, really solid players all conference multiple times in Austin Weiss and Richie Murphy. Um, I like. I think Duran's going to have a nice team this winter as well. So, lots of storylines. You know, Marshall over here in Dane County. They they have a lot of experience. They might be a year away because um, they're all juniors for the most part there. But they're they're they, they're guys that come in with already two years of experience. So a lot of those guys played up as freshmen. So keep an eye on Marshall as well. And, and Marshall is interesting in, in football anyway. They played all away games. Is that the case for them right now in basketball as well, or are they going to try to play or able to get in some home games? No, uh, this is another storyline that, uh, that's really, there's, you know, COVID, again, we go back to peeling the layers off of COVID. And uh, right now, Belleville, Marshall, and Edgewood, I believe, are Dane County schools that are, that are playing basketball. So um, because of the Dane County uh, restrictions due to COVID, um, they cannot um, practice or play games in Dane County. So um, now football was a little different because it was outdoors, and I think you could do pods and things like that. But at Edgewood, for example, the boys and girls teams are practicing uh, in a place out by you, Travis, uh, between Baraboo and the Dells, I think, uh, Camp Gray. Uh, it's a Catholic youth camp, and they, they have a gym there. <laughs> So uh, they have to get the car and travel, you know, past Sauk City uh, in, into the Camp Cray area over by Baraboo uh, to practice. And then, of course, all their games, uh, at least through the end of December, unless the restrictions are lessened, and we hope they are, so all the teams in, in Dane County can play. But um, all their games will be on the road. I'm not sure what Marshall's doing, but Belleville, um, they're, part of Belleville is in uh, Dane County, but another part isn't, but the school happens to be in Dane County. So they don't have a gym in Belleville that they can use. So they were hoping to find something in New Glarus or Monticello. Um, I think they co-op with New Glarus in football, um, but nothing was available. And, and I don't think those communities were too eager to, to uh, rent out a gym, uh, you know, with the COVID going on. So they found this old, uh, this old kind of like a barn almost. It's an old... Uh, almost looks like a, a roller rink, a old, really old gym uh, with wood backboards. And <laughs> um, one of the parents sent me a picture of it. It's unbelievable uh, how old it is. But that's where they're practicing. They started practice on Monday, uh, and that's where they're practicing. And they're, they're trying to set up a schedule. And, of course, their games will have to be outside Dean County as well. So, yeah, there's uh, so many layers to it that it just keeps, uh, you know, stories like this just keep popping up day after day. Well, let's talk about another layer of uh, of of that before we uh, before we let you go, and that is the recruiting piece. Um, 
you know, this, especially this class of 2021 has been significantly impacted. Um, you know, they, they didn't get to finish their basketball season last year. Some of them perhaps did not, you know, get as much, um, off season work as they usually would have a lot of AAU and club opportunities were available, but no college camps, no in-person evaluations, uh, recruiting basically has been shut down, uh, this whole time and, and is con- going to continue to be shut down, uh, at least at the division one level for, uh, several months. So how does all of this impact these kids, uh, you know, in terms of recruiting and, and what pop opportunities will be available. And, you know, the other part of it that, you know, this is essentially a redshirt year for all those kids already in college. So what does that do yeah. for kids looking to come in somewhere where, you know, technically if, you know, all the seniors that are playing this year in college could come back next year. Yeah, that's, that's the question that I think uh, would be on my mind first and foremost, if I were ever, a student athlete or a parent, you know, how's that going to impact my son next year? For example, if if all five starters or three starters or two starters or one even at Wisconsin, for example, come back, they're all seniors. They're all, you know, in a normal time would graduate. Well, what if they come back? What does that mean for, you know, the incoming class of 2021 or even, heck, even the class of 2020? Uh, are there going to be more red shirts? Uh, if not, the NCAA will allow you to go over the scholarship limit for for kids who are coming who opt to come back for that extra year but um that's only for one year so how does that impact your 2022 recruiting in terms of how many scholarships you're going to have available i almost think the 2022 class might be in a tougher spot than 2021 i was just looking at as you were talking i was looking at our 2021 class and 24 of our top 31 players right now are already committed um, either to Division One or Division Two schools, um, so uh, you know that's that's high for for any year. Um, you know, and I, I think people that advise these kids this summer said, "Hey, if you get an offer, it's a solid full ride. Take it now because it might not be there in the spring with with transfers and with seniors potentially coming back for their fifth year. All those things are going to come into play." So, um, and, and, you know, one of the guys that hasn't committed yet is Patrick Baldwin Jr. And, of course, I think any school is going to wait for him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he'll be 25. And then I think Brad Podzinski of St. John's Military, he'll, he'll also be a Division One. That'd be 26. And then guys like Rudinger um, and Nesbeth and uh, Grant Flory, Adam Larson, you know, they're all going to find places. So um, I almost think, like I said, it's going to impact perhaps, at least from a basketball perspective, uh, it'll impact 2021 in terms of how soon they get on the court. Are they going to be registered next year because of seniors coming back? Um, are they good enough to get on the court right away? Um, you know, but I think 2022 could, could actually suffer a little bit more just because um, there's going to be more kids in the programs. Um, like you look at Wisconsin, you know, they – if all five of those guys came back, you'd have, you know, uh, I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me. I think they signed two or three kids this, this last November here um, to come in for next year. You know, you're talking about, at that point, you're talking about, you know, plus 15 in scholarships. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's all a moving parts. Um, you know, I think, I, I think the parents and kids need to ask those questions when they're looking at schools. You know, how do I fit in if this kid comes back? How do I fit in if this kid doesn't come back? Um, how many scholarships are available? How many, 
will be available next year. Um, so uh, lots of moving parts, like I said, and I'm sure it's the same for other sports as well. But, you know, it's funny, despite the fact that coaches weren't able to go out and evaluate last spring and summer, uh, 24 of our top 31 are already committed. So that tells me two things. Number one, they've gotten a lot of film. And number two, they, they watched online AAU over the summer. Um, and although the coaches uh, kept saying that it's, it's, it's a poor substitute for being there and watching a kid in, in, in a full game, which I agree, um, the offer still came. And, you know, we, we read about kids all summer long getting Division One offers from Wisconsin. So um, uh, it's just the way it is. You know, he, if, if he, everyone knows Patrick Baldwin's a heck of a player. I mean, you're not going to wait to see him live to offer him. But, you know, for guys like David Joplin, who's going to Texas, and Tyrese Hunter, who's going to Iowa State, and James Graham, going to Maryland, Kobe Johnson, USC, you know, I don't think COVID hurt them because some of those guys um, ended up with high major offers that in a regular year, I don't know if they would or not. I mean, maybe they would, probably they would, most likely they would, but um, we'll never know that answer. And then even, uh, you know, guys that are going to the mid-level um, uh, mid-major level in Division One, guys like Brock Hefner going to IUPUI or Cam Pelesi going to Valpo and, you know, Daly, Braden Daly, uh, Kamari McGee and Kate Meyer all going to Green Bay. Um, you know, so the offers came, um, but I think uh, next year uh, they might not come as readily. Um, that's just my two cents. I could be way off on this because <laughs> it changes every day, but uh, because of that NCAA ruling where, they, where the seniors currently now in college can come back, for an extra year, I think that's going to put a lot of things in flux. Ultimately, all those 2021 kids and, and all the colleges are in the same boat, though, right? I mean, the colleges can't get out and watch anybody, so it's not like anybody has any significant advantage there, and they've got to offer some kids at some point. So it, it may be harder for them yep. to identify the right ones, but they're still going to offer kids. They still need to get scholarship kids coming in. Um, it's just a matter of if you know if this makes their job harder, finding the right ones. Uh, Mark, there's a lot of stuff we're going to be following all year in uh, in boys basketball from the protocols that are being followed and how they're going to impact games to the the hopeful return of action to the 80-some teams that have delayed the start of their season, you know, the, the hopeful resumption of, uh, of action in Dane County, which I think most of us would agree is the one that we're kind of most concerned about, whether uh, the, the Dane County Health Department will allow them to, to get back on the court at any point this year. Uh, currently, a lot of those are suspended through uh, even into to late January. We've got you know the top-ranked player in the, in the country in the senior class, Patrick Baldwin, uh, playing here in Wisconsin. We've got a lot of outstanding teams. There's so much to follow this year in boys' basketball, and, uh, and we're glad we've got you to, uh, to fill us in and take us along on the ride uh, of course, all kinds of information uh, that will be put out on social media, on Twitter, uh, on Wisports.net. We'll start our coaches poll next week as well to fill in some some additional things. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be a different year, but I think it, it should be a, a really entertaining and a really fun year to follow, even if we're following it in a little different fashion this year, Mark. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. There's there are so many great storylines, and it's such a great game and, and great people involved. Um, and uh, let's hope that we can get through the year and that, that everyone gets returned to play, and and that we have a season that uh, it will be different. But uh, at least uh, my hope and, and prayer is that all kids get that opportunity at some point 
if not today, then maybe tomorrow. So. Well, that sounds good, Mark. That's what we're hoping for as well. And as always, thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time. We'll be doing this every couple of weeks, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get back at it. All right, thanks, Travis. Appreciate you having me on. So there you go, another great preview with Mark talking about the uh, the, the upcoming and and well underway boys basketball season. Is uh, is teams got underway last night Tuesday? Things really pick up, you know, later this week and and really next week. Even though, again, there there are some teams, uh, I, I think the list is around 80-something right now, that have delayed their seasons in some fashion. We are hoping to get many of them back underway. Uh, some of those had been delayed into the first week of December, and so some of those schools will have decisions to make very shortly on when, if, and how they're going to resume winter sports and boys basketball. We're excited to get things going, though. Great to hear from Mark. Great to hear from Norbert last week as they... Uh, walked us through all of the the happenings in uh, in hoops and, and what to expect this year, so we're we're good to go. We're we're happy to get going. And as as they both talked about, we're going to have um, you know our normal stuff that you're going to find on WSN each each week. You know their their uh, information and analysis of teams and games. We'll have our coaches poll, team and player of the week stuff. Um, you know the the normal stuff, but we'll also uh, as as people have seen be tracking uh, this return to play and, you know, the the pauses and cancellations related to COVID. And you can find lists of teams that are on a delay right now, what their situation is. You can find a list also of games wanted on our site, as we saw in football. And I, as I've said before, I think it's going to be even more significant in basketball probably, uh, where, you know, there's going to be canceled games and teams are going to be looking for a replacement, perhaps on short notice. And now you're a little bit more flexible in basketball. You can play multiple games in a week as opposed to, you know, football where it was one and done. Um, but there, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for games, and we're going to hope to facilitate that like we did in football. So you can find games wanted lists on on WIS Sports, and, and certainly Norbert and, and Mark uh, will be providing updates on those on uh, on Twitter and social as well. So. Whether your team is playing right now or not, whether they are, you know, waiting for approval and and in practices or virtual practices, even whatever the case may be, you're going to want to follow uh, WISports.net all season for the latest uh, things uh, related to high school sports and high school basketball. Because as we as we've seen, things will change very frequently. Uh, the the game that you had planned to watch, whether it in person or on a stream tonight might be different it might be canceled it might be changed so you're going to want to pay attention uh, all season as we bring you the latest on high school sports i am travis wilson general manager at wisp sports this has been a wisp sports.net podcast we'll see you at a game